Stanford University. Thank you so much to the Stanford Arts Institute for inviting me. Um, so I, I, I just flew in from New York City yesterday evening, um, and I'm sure everyone in this room has some idea of what's going on over there. Uh, the hurricane, of course, um, pretty devastating for the area. I thankfully live in Brooklyn. My light stayed on. I um, was fine, but uh, surveying the city, seeing the devastation and how it's compounding, how uh, today people are, are beginning to stress out um, things. Uh, just in the cab on the way to the airport yesterday, I saw quite a massive line of cars for gas and their calls for food because of these shortages. Um, and there's some spectacular and, and terrifying images of lower Manhattan darkened while uh, upper Manhattan is, is like nothing happened at all. Um, now, we, we know about the physical devastation. We know that trees have fallen. We know that the lights are out. We have a sense of what is physical, that, that damage. Um, perhaps what, what, what might have not been uh, something that you thought about, um, in addition to the trees falling, the, the power going out, the galleries flooding, so many other things, uh, there are people without email. There are some websites that are down. There were servers that were affected. Um, and these are major sites. It's Gawker, BuzzFeed, um, major museums, organizations, institutions cannot access their email. And that kind of goes against, I mean, here is, um, all right. So, so um, as I was, I uh, know that this is, yes. So, so just to, to demonstrate, I mean, if you, if you went to Gawker during the storm, or, or I believe this is still the case, you, you, can't, you can't access it. Um, and that, that, that's just an example of, it, we wouldn't necessarily have thought about that um, typically, that, that parts of the internet could be impacted by, uh, by a storm. Um, so uh, this right here is an image, um, Google Street View now takes photographs indoors. Um, they uh, take images from bars and restaurants and hair salons. And just recently, they, they took their cameras to one of their own uh, data centers. And this one is located in North Carolina. So you can navigate. Um, you can explore the, the actual data center. And you know there's some kind of Easter eggs in there, like the stormtrooper. But what I love about these images, they also release quite a number of photographs. This is a data center in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Um, and these, these images remind us of the physicality, the, that it's, there's wires, there's structures, there's something that, uh, that, that we're connected to. There's something tangible. It's not just, uh, and when we talk about the cloud or virtual world, or we discuss it like something that's just an imaginary world that we happen to dream up and uh, like a layer above our reality, we sometimes forget how um, there, that there is this component that is very real and also fragile. Um, now, I'm the editor of, of Rhizome, and this is a nonprofit organization that uh, is dedicated to art and technology. And 
we're in our 16th year now. Um, in the earliest um, years, most of our work was strictly within a browser. It was looking at net art, things that were just code, just, uh, just digital. Um, but in, in recent years, we've looked at things much more broadly because art that engages with the internet, art that is considering technology, it can be just about anything. It can be a sculpture, it can be an installation, it can be a painting, because these pieces are, are the ways that artists are responding using sometimes traditional media. And the, what makes it different also is that this is, this could be a painting that is made by someone who has experienced the digital, who knows what it feels like to navigate online, who knows that particular experience that we sometimes cannot very well describe um, without reaching for very physical metaphors that just come up short. Um, now, uh, here's a project from an artist called Paul Destu. Um, this was from 2007. And what he did is he printed out 500 copies of his Windows XP desktop and just lay them out. And what you see is that you've got a physical glitch right here. You've got the, the extreme oddity of experiencing a bug. Um, how, when we're online, we are not conscious of it. When we put it in the physical realm, um, all of a sudden it seems absurd. And, and yet this is our reality. So I, I do love these defamiliarized um, examples because they just see they serve to remind us that what is the difference um, you'll see a lot of projects from artists that do this with Second Life too here is a, a this these artists Linda Kostowski and Sasha Pavlov um, they made some sculptures that were uh, things that they saw on Second Life so this gumball machine what they're doing is by making it a sculpture, you're aware of these compression artifacts. You're aware of like the sizing of it, this, the, 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 what is so uncanny. And again, when we see it in the digital realm, it's, it's normal because we've just become so accustomed to it. But when we take it outside of the digital, have it in the physical world, um, all, of the, all of what actually is not directly corresponding to our real world experience um, comes across much more clearly. Um, another experiment with uh, another project with Second Life E-Team had uh, something called Second Life Dumpster, where they had requested in Second Life people send them objects that they would normally trash. Um, and what they did is they later, for the Sculpture Center, made these as physical objects. So like just this, what they have is now is just stuff that people didn't even want as digital objects, but now like they don't, they're physical objects given a physicality. Um, this artist, uh, she's based in the Bay Area, very great artist. Yes? <laughs> oh, oh, excellent. Um, she has plenty of examples of work that kind of deals with this, uh, the tension between the digital and physical. Um, this project I, I just wanted to talk about because it, it's Google SketchUp, uh, Stephanie Sajuko. Um, Google SketchUp is a free 3D modeling program. Um, and in this case, she was looking at some anonymous uh, SketchUp designs and fabricated them. She turned them into sculptures. And I love that she collected some of the quotes because it was like a lot of these designs were from non-artists and they were kind of just testing out, sort of getting a sense of how to work the, the software. And so she had some quotes that were things like, something I made when I was bored um, or 
or just joking around, best sculpture ever. Um, so this idea of being, she calls herself the unsolicited fabricator of their work, um, bringing some, making a physical object to something that was just an afterthought in the digital space. Um, the artist uh, John Rothman also uh, works with Google SketchUp, and he has a project called uh, Brand New Paint Job, which is using these 3D models, and the paint job is uh, works from art history. So this one is Man Ray's Predator drone, but he also has uh, different various kind of sketch uh, Google SketchUp models that have the paint jobs of Motherwell or Andy Warhol or Helen Frankenthaler or just plenty of uh, art history greats. Um, now, what he did recently is for a, a gallery called American Medium, he, he brought them to the real world and he made them um, actual sculptures and actual installation. And when this happens, these people who are familiar with this, this website where he's been doing this with digital objects, it, it's just so disorienting to see in the real world. Um, the physical and the, the digital, it's, it, it's so digital and essential to each other in the contemporary experience that when we see these sculptures that, um, it, that we originally encountered as digital, it, it, it's just got another layer of expectations to it. Um, in terms of performance, um, here's the artist Ed Fornialis. Uh, has a, he had a participatory art project. He's based in London, and what he did is he scraped a number of identities of Facebook profiles of, of American frat students and uh, American college students and fraternities and sororities, um, and a number of British art students and artists uh, took on these identities and performed on Facebook and just stayed in character. Um, later, they had a performance in the real world, and you can see like one of the setting. They had a performance in character, maintaining the character, um, and th this uh, the unreality is is further explored. The sense of like the make believe that is so natural to us when we uh, we assume an identity online. And assuming identity, when it comes to social media, it's not. Uh, it's a pretty common digital experience. A lot of people just do just a joke Twitter account or something like that. It, it's not, um, but whereas if we assume an identity in the physical space, it's that there is something maybe a little bit more unseemingly about it. Um, this project by Anahita Razmi, um, it's, it's a little bit veering off topic, but I still wanted to talk about it because it, it, it talks about this, the, the difference so well. Um, she, it's roof piece Tehran, and what she's doing is she's taking Trisha Brown's roof piece performance um, from New York and has it now performed in Tehran. And the difference here is that in Tehran, you have two types of TV networks. You have the TV that everyone is, the, the only TV that the government really recognizes, which is mostly propaganda and mostly it's all state-run programming. She calls it very boring and it's just propaganda. Then you have the TV that's on the roof, the satellite TV. And this is what is not illegal, and there have definitely been satellite TV busts. But uh, so when she's performing this piece with all these satellites, uh, showing that um, Iranians are indeed um, watching these uh, the exile TV from from London, from San Francisco, from uh, London, Los Angeles, um, uh, also Dubai, um, this TV programming that 
everyone is actually participating in. I, um, the artist Adam Harvey explores the difference quite often. He uh, looks at a lot of, he's an artist and technologist very concerned with machine vision, uh, face recognition. And his best known project is CV Dazzle, which was creating makeup patterns and hairstyles that would thwart and spoof uh, face recognition. So if you had your hair styled in a certain way, if you had your bangs, especially the area between your eyes is actually where uh, face face detection is, is most sensitive to. So if you have your bangs very long, you can actually spoof the cameras. Um, and then also some makeup patterns. But in this case, he's, he's taking this to objects. This, and if you see the, the apple with the stickers on it, uh, Google Image Search thinks it's a pinwheel or a playset or something. It's, it's not being recognized as, uh, as an apple. Um, it's, whereas, um, the traditional Apple, uh, of course, we the, the cameras, the, the Google image search has been trained so that it, it can recognize it. Um, corresponding to these ideas, uh, the Design Duo MetaHaven, they're based in Amsterdam. They just started a three-part uh, three series on that you can read on eFlux, and I, I really would recommend it. It's been quite broad and uh, talking a lot about cloud computing and US extraterritorial legalities, um, dealing with, it, it goes on from Pirate Bay wanting to take over the sea land or the Julian Assange case. And it, it just, it's, it's extremely broad, but they're, they just articulate something so well. And I, I, I wanted to quote this passage from it. It's the, the, the concluding paragraph of part two, part three hasn't been posted yet. The space of flows is absolutely not smooth. It looks like a data center and the coal plant that powers it. It looks like Julian Assange's room in the Equatorian Embassy in London. It looks like the Principality of Sealand. It looks like Sabu's social housing unit on Manhattan's Lower East Side. The landing from the digital onto the material is hard. It comes with a cruelty and intensity we haven't even begun to properly understand. Along these lines, we might grasp an emerging political geography of information, resources, and infrastructure. In such geography, the state and the cloud are among some of the most important layers, but they are not the only layers by far. Saskia Sassen writes that we need to problematize the seamlessness often attributed to digital networks. Far from being seamless, these digital assemblages are lumpy, partly due to the imbrications with non-digital conditions. So. I, I, I bring up all these examples because I feel that we haven't quite worked out what is the difference. We haven't quite shaped our behaviors. We haven't quite had a sense of what our limits are in terms of social, legal, um, many, many different areas. We, we don't know which, when digital is the most appropriate or, or physical is the most appropriate means. Um, and these projects that are looking at both worlds and uh, connecting the two, um, just, again, are, are exploring what is that difference. Um, so uh, I, I, I thought I might point to a, a project that we just released on, on Rhizome. Um, there's a series curated by our program director called The Download. And what it is is it's, it's encouraging uh, our members to be digital collectors, to um, save digital art to their 
to their hard drives, have, have your own digital collection of art. And every month we have a new project that's available to download. And the recent project is called Get Put, and it's an actual exhibition full of different artists. But there will be a, a physical world um, exhibition that uh, corresponds to this. Um, so if, if you wouldn't mind taking a look. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much. For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.